Welcome to Didn't See It Coming, the podcast about brands that learn from the past, look to the future, and profit today. I'm your host, Mark Stoiber. When I first moved to Victoria about five years ago, one of the first people I was introduced to was Dan Gunn at Viatech. And Dan, the moment I met him, he gave me a book which was all about building startup communities. And it was really funny because the place that Dan was responsible for, Viatech, you walked in the front doors and it had a vibe to it. And, and you could feel it was almost like a pirate ship. It was where everybody was sort of like all sticking together and one for all and all for one. And this was a very strange place, especially because I had been in tech accelerators and incubators before and Viatech was one of those but it didn't feel the same. Now as a brand person, this sort of sparked my interest. And five years later, uh, it sparks my interest even more. Now, uh, what inspired me to, to grab Dan, to talk to him today, was that someone, and I don't even remember who, it was I think at the, the latest Viatech Awards evening, said that you know there are accelerators and incubators all across North America that come to Viatech to figure out how they do it. And if you assume that all these institutions kind of do the same thing, there's some voodoo going on at Viatech, and that's what I want to talk about. It's the, it's the brand. Talk to me about the brand. Well, so it's interesting that you know, you've keyed in on Incubator Accelerator, which we would consider a program, uh, you know, one, of the, one of the parts of a larger machine, right? So yeah. Viatech is an industry association. It's member-driven. It's 30 years old. One, that alone, I think we're the oldest of our kind in the country or close to it. Like I know mm-hmm. Communitech holds up 19, I think 97 is mm-hmm. the year they started. Um, and so we're an industry association. We're a member organization. We're community shepherds and party planners. We're therapists. Um, and we have an accelerator program. We have a building that's an incubator. Um, we have a brand for the city, a moniker that we call Tectoria. We have a foundation. Um, and all of these things are built together to make this complicated, very strong machine. And so when we talk about brand, um, we really put any of our effort into branding beyond the character code of what Viatech is into Tectoria. So when we're looking at external audiences, people visiting Victoria or trying to understand what we are, a word like Vitex is not going to mean anything to them. They're yeah. not going to join, and they don't need to understand what our organization is, but they need to know there's a tech industry here and there's opportunity. And so we came up with this idea, Tectoria. When I say we, it was fun. Um, I don't remember how long ago. More than 10 years ago, I was like, we need a moniker, right? Mm-hmm. There's, you know, everyone looks at Silicon Valley. And then you hear the, the, what I think are the foolish ideas, like Silicon North um, or Silicon Shores was what, one that was suggested for here. Mm-hmm. All these plays on were another version of that. Mm-hmm. One, I wouldn't say anybody should want to replicate the Bay Area. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of things wrong with, with how that works. There's a lot of advantage to having $250 billion in investment just waiting. Yeah. Um, but I think there's a lot of... Uh, I think there's a lot of groupthink, and I think there's a lot of hive mind, and I think there, I, I think there's a distortion of values that can take place with that much um, influence, money, power, um, and so I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to say that we're that, but I understand why people are doing that. They're trying to equate technology with their city, and so I went on LinkedIn and I said, we're thinking of a moniker for the city. What is, what do people recommend? I think the second person said Tectorio, but they spelled it with an H, and we don't spell it with an H, and that was the only thing we changed. 
they were the second person. There was 170 suggestions, I think. Um, and that one, when it came in, I was like, damn, that's going to be tough to beat. It's easy to, like, you're only replacing two letters in Victoria. It says tech. It combines it with Victoria. It's not like anything else that exists out there. Um, and we let everybody vote. And that one just... Well, see, that's, I mean, it's the first rule of, of an effective name, right? It has, it has charm. You can't forget it. You get it in your ear. You can't forget it. It pushes a whole bunch of other stuff out of your brain. But you go, what is Tectoria? And it explains itself right mm -hmm. away. So it's utilitarian and it catches your imagination. You know, I'm a chronic interrupter. But one thing, the first thing I noticed is that we're on a busy street here in Victoria. And you can walk through the sliding doors, the front doors, into Tectoria. That is a brand thing. Mm. Because tech isn't something that you normally associate with being sliding doors on a busy street mm. where just shoppers can come in and have a coffee. Yeah. Talk to me about the thinking behind that. So, well, I mean, Victoria's tech industry um, is large, right? So it's $4 billion in revenues now. It's almost 1,000 tech companies. I always tell people it's twice as big as tourism, yeah, and then they fall off their yeah, chair. Yeah, it might be bigger than twice as big. I don't know what their current economic yeah. impact numbers are. So ours are 4.06 billion in revenues, 5.22 billion in economic impact. That's not including what do they call it? Indirect economic impact, which mm -hmm. I don't even know how you would measure that. that talk about voodoo. So anyway, we, we go with very <laughs> uh, we go with very conservative numbers, but it's a big industry. Um, but people aren't here to sell stuff here. Which so a lot of industries set up somewhere because their customer base is there, especially from yeah. a marketing perspective. Um, we're here two universities and a college, federal research labs like the Pacific Institute of Sport Excellence or the Hertzberg Institute of Astrophysics. Great lifestyle, a Canadian island, the Pacific. So of course it has a tech industry, but it, the the the, um, the market isn't here. And so because of that, the tech companies don't really promote themselves here. They've started to a little bit more because yeah. they need to keep hiring, and so they need a brand, an identity that people know to make it easier for them to stand out when they're hiring. But generally, it's an invisible second floor industry. And we knew that was an issue. So you people falling off their oh, chair. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Go back. Second floor industry. Yeah. I, I love telling people when they come visit here yeah. about the second floor industry. Describe yeah. that. Well, it's it's not at the ground level, so you don't see it. It's not in your eye line. But all you know, every retail space in the city generally has more office space above it, and that's mm -hmm. where the tech companies go. And so a second floor industry is something that isn't about foot traffic, it isn't about direct brand recognition or interaction with the community, but it is about being located among it and supporting it, right? And so yeah. they say, they being a study from a big college, Stanford, uh -huh. one of those, um, and it was repeated by a, a business organization in Vancouver, that four to five jobs are created for every tech job in a community. And looking at how many tacos and, and pints of beer and how yeah. many haircuts happen, I believe that the, the, the there's some truth to that. Um, so it's a second floor industry. It's invisible. Most of them don't have signage. And we recognize, as we were telling people, it's you know two, three times larger than tourism. Um, it's the primary um, uh, largest revenue generating industry. It's 16,775 people. That will shatter people's perception. Sure. Yeah, it does. It does. And, and But they can't see it. And so when we were, um, we first ran our accelerator program on a second floor in a sublet space, and it was going really well. And we knew that we wanted to continue running a program of that kind. And one of the reasons it worked is that we had control of the costs. And mm -hmm. so we tried looking for, well, what else could we sublet? But the problem with subletting is it's an ongoing transient existence. Two years here, three years yeah. there, you're going to be moving around. There's no anchor in their mind. There's no consistency. And so you become nomadic. And, and I think that's problematic, that there's no, there's no center of gravity for people to mm -hmm. orbit, right? And I really believe often with branding, with messaging, one of the things you need to do is be consistent and, and, and stay still. Mm -hmm. Say it over and over again. Stay calm in the face of lots of change. That's when you say, 
well, this is what our plan is, and this is what we're going to do, and this is how we're going to do it. There's character in that. There's confidence in that. And everybody wants to orbit that because they're in a panic under yeah. change, right? And so we wanted something more with more gravity, more gravitas at least. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and if we could get ground floor so that we could put a, we have a 13 and a half foot neon sign that says Fort Tectory on the building and we could have open doors with a coffee shop that anybody can use all day long. They can yeah. look it for events. Like we have arts events and we have music events and we have gamer events. We have all this different stuff. They're getting a little bit closer, rubbing up and the Venn diagrams eventually overlap, at least yeah. in their understanding of who we are and what we do. And so, yeah. so that was important. And I mean, that's a big investment. We could rent that floor for a lot of money to somebody and they mm-hmm. could sell I don't know what they would sell, but something at a retail level. We could, but then you're disconnected again. That, then we're just a second floor again. And so that was really part of the strategy out of the gate was we need to be the front door of the tech industry. Now, fortunately for us, um, when we started to look, the real estate market and commercial in Victoria was a little bit soft. Fort Street was half empty. And so when we were looking around, we bought this building for uh, like a third of what it would cost to build this building. Wow. Um, and so it was a great investment. It gave us all kinds of financial stability for the long-term future of the organization. It gave us that gravitas, that anchor point, that thing to orbit. Mm-hmm. That, you know, it's the longhouse of entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and innovation in Victoria. Um, and so you know, that was a physical manifestation of a larger strategy. And so the building plays a key role in that. Now, when I first came to Victoria, I, I went down. Uh, I was invited by another institution of Victoria, Duffy. Yeah. <laughs> and Tuffy is a he's a journalist here in Victoria, and he's a big friend of Tectory and Viatech, and he invited me to the Viatech Awards. Mm. And I I'm a I'm a veteran of advertising award shows, and they're the best award shows in the whole wide world. And I saw the very first Viatech Awards, and it blew my doors off. One, you filled a conference ballroom with tech people. I thought that was the, the entire population of Victoria was in that ballroom. Two. It was fun. It was fast and loose. And three, the whales. Talk to me about the whales. Well, that ties to the Tectoria branding strategy. So we had this idea of Tectoria. And then we were like, okay, well, how do we, how do we get that out there? And we did some traditional things. Like we bought ads around the baggage carousel at the airport. And we put things up on the parking meters around town. And the campaign was um, to take, not to deny, like, so we do sometimes say more than tea and flowers, because it is a challenge that people go to the Empress and they go to Butchart and they think that mm-hmm. they know what Victoria is. Um, but we didn't want to be like, we're not that, because we are that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, how do we take what people know us as and then add a tech twist to it? And so there were things like, uh, you know, home of uh, 13 microbreweries and uh, 12,000 uh, happy tech workers, right? Mm-hmm. So the one we added, there's a big employment base and they're happy because we have all this beer. Yeah. So now we, you know, we're highlighting something sort of more lifestyle yeah. um, and, and adding a tech. And one of them, which I think was the most brilliant, was home of uh, 1,500 killer apps and 100 killer whales. <laughs> um, or it was the other way around, 100 killer whales and 1,500 killer apps. Because we always said the Victoria thing first. And so at the Vitech Awards that year, which... I can't remember which year that would be for certain. It's like 2010-ish, 2009. Our finale at the Vitek Awards is usually about as wild uh, five minutes of your life as you can expect yeah. at an event like that. And um, at that one, we did the world's first um, lip dub, live band, flash mob, unrehearsed. And so as people arrived, we just said, look, you're in the front row, you're in the front 10 tables, so you're a station. 
your station. I remember there was one that had something about research facilities. So I don't remember what the first thing was. Maybe it was like you know three post-secondary institutions and this many research facilities. And so um, we had like textbooks to represent schools and then lab coats and microscopes. And so all this stuff was under all the tables and nobody else in the audience, there's 800 people there, mm -hmm. knew what was gonna happen. And then at the end, the band starts playing. Um, I was in that band with Duffy and we were playing a version of Taking Care of Business, which was all about tech in, in Victoria. And each and we had a camera that started uh, on Marty the Marmot, the mascot of our hockey team, and then started going by the tables. And they would hold up one of the signs from the airport that was these these things, and then they would activate it. They would live it out. And the crowd's there, and, the, and we told the crowd, this is what's about to happen, and there's going to be moments for you. And then we, then when we got to the, the killer apps part, everybody was holding up their phones with like Victoria software on it. And then we flooded the room with six-foot inflatable whales to represent the 100 killer whales. And, you know, we should have foresaw what was going to happen. We, we thought they would get past forward like a swimming, you know, uh, uh, what was that? Is it a school of whales? Yeah, a school. Of pod. A pod of whales, yeah. Getting past forward like a pod of whales. But it became just a huck fest. And people were checking them. Wine glasses were exploding. Like, things were flying all around the room. Um, and it was magic. Like, it was magic. It was so, there's so much uh, irreverence and reckless abandon. But at the same time, they're like, that's ambitious. There, uh, it was clever, it, it's, it's about me, right? And so that was a, just a really great cementing of the Tectoria brand. And now that was whatever, if it was 2009, let's say. Yeah, I was at the one of 2015 or 2014. We've done it 10 years. Like it, the, the finale always ends now with the, the pod of whales that comes flying in from the sides. And we're now yeah. in a bigger theater. Yeah. We're in the Royal Theater now, so we can fit 1,300 people. Yeah. Um, and, so, and then the whales get thrown all around the room. And that's just kind of a bit of a... Uh, a huzzah and a, you know a release of, of enthusiasm for the, for the community and, and and you know the nice thing about it too is when you build a nice reputation about people do not know what to expect is there going to be a live choir is there going to be a famous performance artist is there going to be a trapeze artist spinning uh, you know above the crowd mm -hmm. are we going to shoot confetti cannons are we going to have the world's largest indoor lightsaber battle all mm -hmm. things that we've done they stay for the whole show mm -hmm. right and we call it a show we don't call it an event and we don't call it an awards it's a show um, and now we've added variety. So we have like we have comedians, we have uh, performers, like singing performers, we have yeah. acting, dancing. Um, and so every third award, you know, you're about to get three minutes of something dazzling. It was unhinged. Um, yeah. When <laughs> I when I first saw it, it was it was crazy. I, you know, I thought I'd seen it all. I've been to award shows all around the world, and when I saw this, I go. What the hell is going on here? And and these whales were going moving at high speed across the tables. There was wine bottles flying, and I'm like, this is awesome. Yeah. And, and and you know, it was this thing that everybody talked about. They said, watch out for the whales. Watch out. Just stand away from the table. And I'm like, oh, what is this? What is this? And it, it, you know, it becomes legendary. Yeah. Well, yeah, it does. And I I, I think um, you know that's important to the overall brand of Viatech as an organization is that we're known for creativity, mm -hmm. uh, some irreverence, you know, we've diminished that somewhat as, you know, uh, as, as we've uh, grown in, in, in influence and, and, and prominence. Yeah, no. A little. Ah, uh, maybe. We don't have to go down that road. Yeah. Um, but, um, but we're known for a number of things. And the most important thing, I think, is I, I, I like this term character code. Yeah. That there's a number of things that define you. Um, and it should appear in everything you do. So when you come in our building, you don't feel like you're in anybody else's building. You don't feel like you're in yeah. a building you've ever been in before. When you go to our events, we go for the same thing. When you read what we write, we go for the same thing. Yeah. When we present to you, we go for the same thing. 
Um, none of that is a show. None of that is artificial sizzle. None of that is a trick. Well, That's you, all, all just you have authenticity. To do is, all you have to do is sit downstairs and have Rob lead some people around. Mm -hmm. Rob is uh, one of uh, you know one of your colleagues here. Who's, he's like super, super nice, personable, legit guy. Mm -hmm. And you, you watch him lead people around. And then you meet all the other folks here. And that's them. Yeah. You know, there's no, there's no fakery. There's no building up the brand. It's, it's, it's totally who you are. And it's important that, um, like, there is a way to do our job that you've seen and you would expect, and it would be considered doing it well. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think that that predictability is somewhat of a betrayal. That if we're working with innovators and entrepreneurs and we're not innovative and entrepreneurial, how are we really representing them? Um, and I think that they, you want to give them something that they're surprised by pleasantly mm -hmm. and that they're proud of. Yeah. Right? And so uh, the, the awards is a great, the building is a great manifestation and the awards that you've keyed in are, that's one where anywhere I go in the world, if I meet somebody who's been to that, they're like, they, they want to talk yeah. about it. They want to talk about how different it was and how fun it was. And they want to tell everybody else in whatever circle you're talking about, about this unusual, weird, but fun experience that they had. Totally. So, so I think that, you know, everything we do, we try and resemble that character. Or, or not resemble isn't the right word. We, we try to uh, reveal. Yeah, well, just, just give it another layer, right? Where, right? where you go, this is another layer of this. Yeah. Orange. Mm. Uh, at, at a show just a couple of years ago, you introduced the orange light bulbs, yeah. and that ties into the second floor industry. Yeah. Talk to me about orange. You're wearing an orange shirt. I'm looking at an orange skin on your Mac. Yeah. Orange is a cool color. I loved it ever since I saw the Dutch unofficial national color, the yeah. soccer color, and I just love orange. Mm -hmm. uh, talk to me about orange. Well, uh, orange is a bit of a personal uh, uh, a personal influence of mine. So my whole life, I've thought orange was the coolest color. Sunsets, lava, mm -hmm. um, fall colors. You know, I grew up in the GTA, Greater Toronto area, and so you'd have those Muskoka colors and things like that. And so it's always been uh, something that really mattered to me. And there was a time where well, this wasn't about our brand, but I was junior at Vitech in my first couple of years, maybe my first or second year, and I was tasked with um, updating the logo. I wasn't given a brand strategy opportunity, but I was given a look and feel. Mm -hmm. um, and blue and orange was what we settled on. Now you'll see blue. This is would have been like 2001, 2002. Blue and orange now, they're so complementary. They work so well together. You see it a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, we were ahead of the curve, and but we've stayed consistent and true to it. We're using a little bit more blue than we used to. Um, but orange, that was the, the, the impetus for it. And then it became, you know, it, again, the character code. It's not... This isn't a rapper. This is who we are, right? So you got to have an orange heart. Mm -hmm. You got, you know, you have to have, you have to have an orange lens to you. And so it's coincidence today. I'm wearing orange shoes and an orange shirt, but it's not a coincidence that I own those. Yeah. Um, right. And that the chair behind you is orange, and that the door is all around you are yeah. orange, and that kind of thing. And that's part of like when somebody, you don't have to hit them over the head with something. You just have to be so consistent that uh, people see things that are orange around the city and they assume it's ours. Yeah, and, right? and I also go, I also go, orange isn't black. Yeah. You know, and that to me says everything about, about Viatech. Mm, sure. And it's, you know, you, you, take your, you take your job seriously, but you don't take yourself that seriously. Mm -hmm. Talk mm -hmm. to me about the orange light bulbs. So the idea was that, you know, there's over 900, I think it's 955 tech companies currently listed in Greater Victoria. And, um, but they're on the second floor, which we talked about earlier. And so how do people know? And so we came up with this idea 
of orange light bulbs. Um, that if we give tech companies orange light bulbs and they all put them in their window, then people will be like, what is that? Mm-hmm. And they'll start asking around. Some people will know, some won't. But that goes, we haven't talked about it on the podcast, but brand confusion. Creating sort of a riddle in your brand, I think, is magical. You have to be patient, and I don't have to sell a product. So I get much more leeway than your average marketer does. And so there have been things that we've done where we've, we've you know, put time and money into something and not explained it. And it only lands with a few people, but when it does, they're like, they never forget it, right? The memory palace, mm-hmm. which, you know. Yeah, let's talk about the memory palace because I think the orange, the orange light. Yeah. And walking in the ground floor here. Yeah. It totally, like you said, it, it's you're, you've unlocked the memory palace and things are sticking. So yeah. talk to me about the memory palace. Well, the, the, the I learned about this. I think there's a podcast called the memory palace. But I was listening to a different podcast called 99% Invisible, which is all about why things are designed the way they are. Um, and they were talking to these memory masters. And this guy said, well, the memory palace is a, is a trick that if I'm trying to remember like every card in a, a card of like four cards of uh, uh, four decks of cards, what I do is I remember like I went on a trip to pick a, a, an exotic place and I remember walking in the lobby. I remember going up and, and checking in. I remember the staircase I took to the room. I remember my room. And so what I do is I, the first card I get, I'm like, OK, this one is in the lobby. And so now I have a place to hold this memory, and it's the five of hearts. And so for hearts, I remember you know, somebody I'm in love with, and for five, yeah, I might remember this. But Or there's two cards, like 55. Then I remember Back to the Future, or Sammy Hagar, because I yeah. can't drive 55, or 88 because of Back to the Future. Yeah. So they have all these um, things that are already locked in their brains that they just assign and put in physical places that are, are, are places they've been, or physical spaces in their yeah. mind that are places they've been. And that, that, that was one where I was like, that really lands with me from a marketing and branding perspective is everything in marketing, not everything, most things in marketing are clutter and we are trained to see past it, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, looking at a newspaper, people, you know, they read, they know where to read and they know what squares to block out, mm-hmm. right? And that's why advertorial was born, not mm-hmm. born in other things. But, um, and so when we, when we were coming up with things, I was like, I want things that confuse people. Because when they're confused, some people just be confused. They might even be irritated and they'll move on. And that's fine. But some people will stop and be like, what is up? What mm-hmm. is not? Like, that's my nature. I'll walk through an airport and I'll see one clock that's different than all the other clocks. And I'll stop and I'll be like, what happened? Mm-hmm. Like, did a clock break? Was this a choice? Was this? Are they changing the clocks? What's this tell me about the airport? Now, that's a weird way to think. But tends to be that we're looking for people with weird minds that uh, we want to uh, Well, to it, it's disruption, right? Because what we do, we spend our lives insulating ourselves against disruption. Mm-hmm. But then when disruption appears, it, it's like, it's interesting. And that's why we remember yeah. holidays, but we don't remember bacon and eggs. That's right. Yeah, it's a mind speed bump, right? But yeah. and as that's happening, it, you create an anchor that you can hold something. And then if they're, if they're like, well, that's, that's interesting, I'm confused, memory palace is open, also, now they're motivated to solve. And when they do solve, they feel a sense of pride. And they turn around and they start telling people, oh, you know what that is? Yeah. Because they're inside. They figured it out. They cracked the code. Um, and so uh, so it's a thing that we do and we build in. And some go completely lost. But we spend a lot of time on what we call the invisible threads. Now, right? there, you, I got to emphasize, though, for folks who are listening, it's not like you're building something hypercryptic here. No. Or inside Dungeons and Dragons or something. But it, it is not what you expect from a com- from a group that deals in tech. Right. You know, and that's what throws people on their back foot. That's what threw me on my back foot. You know, I went to the award show and I go, 
this does not look like a whole bunch of guys with pen protectors and, and thick glasses. Right. It, it just threw me off. It, yeah. I said, these are like ad guys. This is something weird. And it, it drew me in and made me want to go, what, what is the, what's in the water here? Yeah, and I think part of that too is the more of the more contrarian, the unexpected, and the contrarian. And so I had somebody tell me once, you know, you're an analog character working for a digital world, and I was like, perfect, because like, I love that. Like, there's a vinyl record player behind you, not because I'm a hipster, because I love listening to music, yeah. and and I love and I found, I got a great deal on this old turntable like 20 years ago, and I just brought it with me everywhere. But a lot of the stuff we do has that retro feel to it, but not retro in the throwback to the 80s just because it's fashionable, but yeah. like retro futurism based on things like Gucci design, retro futurism, like, uh, is it, I can't remember if it's Edward or Richard Lowy, the guy who designed like the 53 Studebaker yeah. and the, the super streamliner And he designed the Lucky the Strike, the Lucky Strike uh, right? and pack, so, yeah. And, and like things like Art Deco and, and the rules of threes and symmetries and all of that. We we try and uncover, understand and unlock this and then weave it in. So the, the new Viatech Award trophy you know, there's a lot of story behind that that you wouldn't necessarily know. You might just look like a cool copper astronaut to most people. It's kind of futuristic. So it's based on this great design that we saw in the new Star Trek Discovery, where they did this amazing job of pulling like a 70s vibe and making it yeah. like a futuristic thing. And it's we like, like the astronauts with the bubble helmets right. and, the, and the accordion sleeves. Yeah. And it's like old Superman. All yeah. it needs is the, the jetpack on the back. You That's know? right. But but with a sophistication and elegance that isn't just cheap sci-fi. Yeah. So there was there was that. And the reason we moved to that is we used to have robots. We had an Art Deco robot the year before. And for years before that, we had the scrap part robot made out the of The scrap part robots were great. Yeah, and Freddy. they were heavy, right? I mean, you, could, you could knock a table over with you those. Could, you could kill somebody in the library <laughs> if you were Professor <laughs> Plum, right? Um, in the conservatory. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so uh, we, we've been with these robots. And we had a realization... Our strategy right now is that the best way we can serve the community is around um, leadership development. That we need more anchor companies doing more than $100 million in sales. And the best way for us to get there is to train some of that leadership at home because we need to have more of those companies before we can attract it from abroad. And the thinking was, you know, an accelerator program include, and our, you know, it's our, even in our logo, we have, we have rockets. And that's now everywhere. I, I really wish everybody else didn't do it because now you feel common. Um, but ours is cooler. Uh, but you have yeah, it's not as common as you think. Yeah, well, it's because you're on the inside, yeah, right? Yeah, you're sure. on the inside, so you see rockets everywhere. But yeah. it still stands out like crazy. Sure. So, we, but so, and I thought, you know, accelerator programs are like are like rockets that the product or the company, we're spending all of our resources advising and building this. Now, if on takeoff it blows up, that investment's lost. Mm -hmm. And what we need to be doing is building a space program to train more astronauts that can fly any rocket. So they might work in one, take it off, get it into orbit, come back and take another one off, and one might blow up and they'll be like, this one blew up because. But if we can train the astronauts, then we're gonna have a longer term impact on our community as opposed to worrying about these short you know, launch periods. Mm -hmm. And so uh, astronauts, not rockets, became an underlying theme for us. It's one of our invisible threads. And so now we're making everything a lot more personal. And leadership isn't about strategic planning, it is. But it's about how to deal with conflict. About how to motivate somebody. It's about how to emit vulnerability, frailty, and failure. Mm -hmm. um, and so all of this um, very what people would consider atypical or uh, um, or soft skill mm -hmm. leadership stuff. Um, but we're the, our entire investment, our entire our primary investment over the next three years is specifically in curriculum and program development for that. And so mm -hmm. from a branding perspective, 
We wanted to give a cue to everybody that we're making this less automaton, robotic, and more human. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we created this new trophy. And so, and, and I think that's you know, if, if there's a branding lesson in all of that, it's that consistency and that deliberation, that intense um, uh, um, uh, investigation and deliberate uh, intent in what you do is important because when people do start to scratch, they'll be like. This goes deeper than I'll ever find, and th- yeah. and th- that is authentic. You know, it, it's wild because you tell the story of the astronaut. I didn't know that, um, and you go to the RCA Victor Dog, right? You go, it's a cool logo, great logo. What's up with the logo? And mm-hmm. then you find out that it's his master's voice. And you go, hmm, that's even more interesting. What's yeah. the story? So you dig, 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 and then you can tell other people because you found it out. The astronaut, it is so easy. You go, we're training astronauts, huh? Well, and then you can unpack it, and then people go, oh, I love the way that you, you hooked a complex concept mm. into something that every Tom, Dick, and Harry actually knows, and they go, oh, I get it. Yeah, you know? well, I mean, that's, I mean that, that um, uh, economy, that efficiency is required, because you know, how much time do you get with people? And so you got a hook, um, mm-hmm. but not in a uh, manipulative way. Like with authenticity, and and so when they do look, they find it. When they're ready, they'll find it. Right. Mm-hmm. So we have a term around here. It's engage the willing, and that is sometimes people are like, oh, I don't think so because you're like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I get it. When they're willing, they're going to be a great person to work with. And in the meantime, yeah. we hope they're successful doing it their own way. Um, but yeah, building it in and storytelling it. And for me, you know, I didn't read a lot of comics, but maybe more than most people, and I'm in love with the origin story. Right, I just think like there's nothing better than find like knowing something and then going back in time and finding out where that all came from because everything that gets revealed, you're like, of course, yeah, of course, it cements and it builds, and then all it does is it holds up what you knew of the person um, as more authentic, more real, more believable, and so I I like so I believe whenever whenever story you're doing storytelling, origin tales are the best, parables and origin tales, right? So every value that you have, you should be able to tell the story about when you learned that. Why well, that's important to you. I mean, I just, I just finished working with a client this morning, and I said, you know, when you get up and do a speech, nobody's going to remember a single fact that you mentioned. All they're going to remember is you. And are you like the older brother and sister that they can trust because they're it's for university entrance? And are, are they, are they going to think that you're like an older brother and sister who's going to help them along? Or are you just an automaton mm-hmm. rattling off facts? Nobody's going to remember facts. Mm-hmm. But it, it's the people. It's the astronaut story. It's mm-hmm. it's it's the feeling when you walk in the front door. Now, I mean, this is this is something that I, a lot of people would not expect to hear when you walk through the front door of a tech-oriented company. Um, talk to me about other people coming here because mm-hmm. now Viatech and Tectoria are starting to attract a lot of attention. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so what's the impact, or what do we hear from people? What what what's happening there? Sure. There's people coming banging on the doors here. Oh yeah, absolutely. Look, I mean, saying, well, how'd you do that? So I think a, a few things. One, consistently being that one-stop shop, being the front door, being the welcome mat, mm-hmm. um, is part of it. The consistency is, uh, you know, consistency in the value and the brand and, and what you offer and what you do is part of that. Um, and then also, but like having a building with a giant beacon on the front is helpful. And right now, really, the way it works is, and I believe in this thing called a concentric ring brand strategy. I forgot, I should have mentioned this earlier, that when we were first coming up with the Tectoria brand, um, you know, we talked to some traditional uh, media organizations, marketing organizations, and they um, were like, well, if you want to attract more skilled talent, then we should get, you know, we should do a campaign in San Francisco, and it would look like this. And, and, and I said, yeah, but if I was like, if somebody started putting up signs for a, another planet and wanted me to move to it, and I'd never been there, and I didn't know anybody who'd ever been there, isn't all that marketing lost? And they're like, well, mm-hmm. what do you mean? I was like, well, 
if I was, somebody told me, hey, you got to move here, it's great. They got my attention with a billboard or a magazine ad or a story and whatever. Um, the first thing I'm going to do is be like, do I know anybody there? Do I know mm-hmm. anybody who's been there? And I'm going to call them. And so what would happen if we had a billboard in the Bay Area? It would cost us a lot of money. Nobody would know what the hell we were talking about. They wouldn't. The, people out in Canada think that Vancouver Island isn't Granville Island, mm-hmm. right? Like they don't. Like they have no idea what island we are, yeah. or how big our city is, or what influence or impact it has. And so, if if, if we even get them to take any action, they're going to call their cousin that went to school here. Yeah. Or they're going to call that friend, and they be and they're going to be like, I don't know what you're talking about. It's That's all right, because there's the, you, you spend all your money on the farthest out concentric circle yeah. without building up the hub, yeah, nobody's going to be able to back yeah, up the story. It's, it's, it's going to be hollow. It's hollow, exactly right. And so what we did instead was we need first first step, 2004, I did the economic impact study myself and I met with every CEO who doubted that it was a billion dollar industry then. And I said, tell me why you doubt it. I have the numbers right here in front of me and mm-hmm. we'll go through it. I even said to one of them, if at the end of this meeting you and I don't agree, we're going to have to fight. Like, <laughs> because I, you're, you're going to have to call me a liar. And so we did the hardcore analysis. We put in the time. We got all the quality data. And then I sat down with everybody. And the, the people would be like, oh, yeah, but you're probably counting all the business that gets done working for the province because we're the, the capital of the province. Mm-hmm. And so you know, that's probably artificially inflating the numbers. I was like, well, at this time, it's $150 million. It's been as much as $300 million. It's on a decline, actually, because more work's getting done outside of the province to do that. And so, no, it's not that. What else? You know, and usually they'd have one or two objections and they'd be overcome. And I'd be like, now can I count on you to tell people that mm-hmm. this is a billion dollar industry? And we, so we did that. And then their staff and then the rest of the business community, then the local media, then the policymakers. And now generally most people in Victoria have heard something. It's still, you know, it's still hard, mm-hmm. but way more, you know, it takes 30 years to measure a climate. I think it takes 30 years to change the reputation of a place. Yeah, but not, not only that, hold on. I think, I think you've got something else that, that's going on here because tech is also not ge- geographically anchored. Yep, and while you sure. are in the valley, you could be anywhere. And what happens here, I know that you have a amazing events where you bring in investors and, mm-hmm. and they, they brainstorm and they judge ideas, a bit Shark's Tank, you know, sort yeah. of like a, a pitch, uh, pitch off. And uh, these guys go home. And so what you've got is these people with influence and power sure. who are now saying, I'm the ad because they love orange, right. they, love, uh, they love the parties, they love the people, they love yeah. the walk-in on the ground floor. They say there's something going on. I'm going to believe him. Yeah. For sure, and so there's that. So there's um, so there's one getting everybody here, and we're getting there. And then there's we've been doing events since 2012, aimed at very influential people, you know, globally, mm-hmm. bringing them here, and then showing them firsthand. Here's a bunch of great companies. Here's a even larger group of great people, and here's a great city, right? Mm-hmm. So they see the food, they see the Rifflandia Music Festival, they um, they go to events in locations like nothing they've ever done. So they go to a Vitech event that's unique to them. They've never been to anything like that. That unlocks them. They meet people with a quality of character that unlocks them. Then they go and have an experience that they're never going to forget. Like I remember when Riff, at Rifflandia one year when the Flaming Lips were like shooting off confetti and riding around in like big giant inflated uh, like clear balls over the crowd. And I remember like these venture capitalists just looking around and going like, where, where am I? Yeah. Right. Um, and so those moments and then you, you send them back. And, and now when we do events, we don't, we'll, we do an event every fall um, and it's more, it's been more targeted at external audiences. We'll start getting emails at the beginning of the summer. What are you guys doing this year? Can I come? Right? Because they're just eager to come back for the experience and the the connections. And what we're really working towards now with those events is it's not so much about, um, you know, uh, keynote speeches. 
It's about, we did something called City Conversations, where we paired people into groups of like six to eight people, and they were diverse. They didn't get to pick themselves, and we picked a community host. So we had a bunch of people come forward and say, I'll be a community host, and their job was to like gather everybody and take them to a bar or a restaurant for the afternoon. And they were, and we had keynotes in the morning that on a wide variety of topics, and they just had conversations. And then we brought everybody back together after their conversations to the same place so that the dialogue could continue. And people said afterwards, they're like, they're like, you provided no content except curation, and it was a more moving and memorable experience than anything I've ever been to. Before. Oh my god! If if every conference was built like that, yeah. you know the breakout sessions in the yeah. afternoon where everybody's had their lunch, they pass out. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine that? So you have a few keynotes in the morning, and then everybody gets assigned someone, and they have to go talk about whatever. That's right. You're gonna you're gonna take that home with you. That that's yeah. amazing. I didn't even know about that. Yeah, yeah. It was it worked really well, and that's what you know. Afterwards, people were like, keynotes were good, and that venue was nice. That. Something I haven't That's ever done the before, business. and and you know uh, I'm I'm really bad at conferences. I go to them occasionally, and I generally don't go to many of the talks. I usually meet somebody that I've been trying to talk to, or that's been trying to talk to me in the lobby. We end up having a coffee, and then you know I'll, I'll make my way back with the intent of seeing the next speaker. And then you run into somebody, yeah. and then you're like, oh, let's go grab some lunch. Yeah. And then you make your way back. Oh, let's go get a beer. Yeah. And so like I have amazing conversations, but I don't know why I bypasses because I don't go to anything. <laughs> you don't go to the game. You go yeah. to the tailgate. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah. All right. Well, listen. I, there is uh, this place is like in Shrek. It's like the onion. It's like the parfait. There's layers and layers and layers. And uh, after five years in Victoria, I still keep running into stuff where I go. I didn't know that. So I am going to, I'm going to put this on a podcast. I'm going to put some show notes together where folks can dig into it and check it out. And then uh, I just hope that I can spread the word. Although it's one of those Victoria things. You got to be careful because people here don't want everybody knowing because yeah, then funny. everybody's going to move here, yeah. right? Well, yeah, and I mean, the key for us now is how do we preserve what we love and but grow smart? Because yeah. we, need, we need more than a thousand new tech workers a year right now. Yeah. Um, and so how do we do that smart? Keep things affordable, keep things livable, keep things great. Um, but but expand and so that, that's going to be a really interesting journey for us as a city and a community that's awesome thanks so much thanks Mark you've been listening to Didn't See It Coming the show about brands that learn from the past look to the future and profit today I'm your host Mark Stoiber if you'd like to talk about brands drop me a line I'd love to hear your ideas Well, that wasn't hard, was it? No. <laughs> I'm a subject matter expert on what I've done. Oh, no. But I, I, you're, you're, you're an amazing brand guy. Thank you.